0: This is the podcast called Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. I am Eve Sturgis. That's me, Eve. Uh, I'm here to make people talk about DNA testing and mixed up families and the surprise results that change everyone's understanding of family, inside out and upside down. This is the second season. This is episode five. Uh, Before I get going, I just want to touch base about my last episode, uh, recorded during the peak of... Or, what may be the peak, we'll find out, of like national unrest triggered by the unnecessary death of George Floyd. Some people call unnecessary death murder of George Floyd. I just, um, so I just wanna thank people who reached out to me about the last episode and voiced their support or encouraged me or like otherwise wanted to communicate with me about sort of the p- politics and inherent racism that I believe is present in the DNA testing communities. And maybe it's history's fault, and maybe it's people's fault, but maybe we can't really separate those things. I said in the last episode, though, that I wouldn't bring back regular episodes until it felt right. So I just want to acknowledge that all this stuff is still happening in the world before I jump into this episode that doesn't talk about any of those current events. So I'm going back to a regular episode, but I'm not thinking or suggesting that the world has gone back to anything regular. Got it? So here we are, episode five. I had the pleasure of interviewing Diane Southard, founder of a company called Your DNA Guide. And I would love to know how they describe it. But um, I... I, so this is my description, but they are a consultation and mentorship company that is dedicated to helping people understand their DNA and further their results. So, um, I want to warn you, I sound mostly like a complete idiot throughout this interview. We had to do a lot of editing because I am stumbling over my words and like tripping, and it, I'm a mess through the whole thing. It sounds like I've never done an interview or had a conversation with a human. And maybe I was a little bit intimidated, but mostly, guys, uh, Diane says some things that kind of blow my mind. And most importantly, I was trying not to cry through this whole thing. So sometimes when she's talking, I'm like trying not to burst into tears and tell her my whole story and and tell her like everything and talk about my feelings. But I felt like that would be a lot to surprise this really nice professional woman with. So uh, I'm trying to keep my composure throughout this thing, but that's why I sound like a real dum-dum. And all that being said, like, it's not about me anyway. Like, get over yourself. <laughs> that's what felt, like, important to say now. Um, anyway, uh, I hope you removed as I was. This is episode five, Everything's Relative. I'm interviewing Diane Southerd from Your DNA Guide. Um, but you, so, but you, so tell me about you, though. So, you you work in gene, genealogy and DNA. Um, can, can, can you can you tell me like what a day is like for you, or what or like what your job sort of really is?
1: Well, so my job basically is to figure out how to take the information that people are getting from their DNA testing company and break it down into a format that they can understand and mm-hmm. that they can action, action items from the DNA test. Cause most people that get a test have no idea what their next steps are. And then if they try to take some next steps, they're almost immediately mired in, ah, I don't know what this means and I don't know what to do. And I don't know what these words mean and I don't know how to navigate this website. And so, Our, our role, my company is called Your DNA Guide. So Mm -hmm. our role is really to educate. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. So people come to you with their, like, with their, with their, just like their mail-in kit results? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they're coming in with their, like, um, like when I did it before I did a mail-in kit, when I did it with my, um, with this biological, (laughs) with this biological father, Mm -hmm. um, it was like, I went to a lab and then they mailed a, a piece of paper back that had, a lot of numbers on it but it was not um and then it just said sort of like what the results were but so mm-hmm. so people come to you more with like 23 andme me results and ancestry.com and stuff like that
1: exactly so we deal okay. just with the, there's five genetic genealogy testing companies that mm-hmm. we mostly deal with so that's ancestry 23 and me my heritage family tree dna and living dna those are really the big 5 that mm-hmm. we considered to be companies involved in helping people trace their ancestry using DNA. How did this start for you? Where did this come from? I came into this industry, which we call genetic genealogy in a different way than most of the other genetic genealogists come in. So most people that are involved in this now, helping people understand their test results, find their family, whether it's your biological father or your three times great grandfather, like whoever it is you're looking for. Um, they came into it because before they were just doing genealogy and then using paper-based research to figure out these kinds of questions and then now it's all about using dna so no. i came in it the other way around so uh, when i was in college i was actually part of a study uh, we tried to build a database that had genetic information and genealogy information in it so this was back in 2000 this was basically the first effort to do anything like this And it was called the Sorensen Molecular Genealogy Foundation. And so I traveled during college to different locations throughout the United States, essentially giving lectures and convincing people that we could do this, that we could Uh take someone's DNA and figure out where they were from and who they were related to. And so um, anyway, that project eventually was sold to Ancestry and became the foundation of their product. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so then at that point, um, I was a stay-at-home mom, basically working you know, from home and kind of left, well, what do I do now? And <laughs> I ended up essentially starting my own company just, again, to educate people, no matter where they've tested or who they've tested or what kind of tests they've taken, how can I help you understand what you have and do something with it? Cool. Cool.
0: Um, my one question that came up while you were describing that is you said that it was a database of genetics and ge- genealogy. Is there a difference between genetics and genealogy or are
1: there... Right. So I guess when I say genealogy, I mean the actual paper research. So when you contributed to our study, you gave mm-hmm. us actually a blood sample back then. Mm-hmm. And then you gave us a piece of paper that had your parents, your grandparents and your great grandparents on it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it was that it's really that correlation that makes everything so powerful is, right. uh, for example, in your ethnicity results that you're going to get, that's all based on what we call a reference population. So they had to test a bunch of people from Italy so they would know what DNA from Italy looks like so that we could tell you you're from Italy, right? So Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so genealogy
0: is, okay, okay, great. So one yeah. is like the paper trail and one is right. the, the DNA, the DNA um, trail, That's yes. like the science trail, okay. So, what kind of things have you you've since you were especially because you were part of that very first program um what what kind of things have you seen change about DNA testing over the
1: past decade or so? oh my gosh so much <laughs> oh so when we first started out, we were only able to do what we call y DNA testing, which traces only like your direct male line. So only men can take that test and it's their father's, 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 father's line. And it's really helpful. It's still a useful kind of DNA, but it's not nearly as effective at, you know, finding family as what we call autosomal DNA, which is the kind of DNA that we take now with 23andMe and Ancestry. So autosomal DNA traces both sides of your family, gives you all this information about relatives and relationships and things like that, but why DNA was much more restricted. And then we also had mitochondrial DNA, which traces only your direct maternal line. So okay. you have the same mitochondrial DNA as your mother, same as her mother and so on and so on and so on. So, Back then, you know, we started getting people excited about this idea that DNA could help define your family, but then people, women especially, were like, well, mm-hmm. I don't have Y-DNA. How could right. I do this, right. you know? Right. And so it was a lot of like, well, yeah, you could ask your brother or your dad, you know? So it was just, it was harder to, to get an answer um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there was just so much limitation. And so then when autosomal DNA came online, which was really around 2007, then, you know, things started to open up a little bit more. Um, and so back in those 2000s when we only had Y and mitochondrial, we also had the kind of test that you took to find out mm-hmm. if your father was your father. And we call that mm-hmm. just a straight paternity test, right? And right. that's totally different kind of test than what we're using now, but it was very mm-hmm. effective at relationships that were very close. So mm-hmm. we could mm-hmm. tell if this guy was your dad, but we wouldn't be able to tell if he was your second cousin. Like, that just wasn't possible. And so- Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So when in 2007, it finally became possible to investigate these more interesting, deeper branching relationships. So now you could tell if someone was your second cousin, you could tell if they were your fourth cousin. And this is huge when we're talking about. Right. Right. figure out who your third great grandparent is, right? So we've kind of had the ability to do paternity testing really since the mid-90s really effectively. Mm -hmm, But there mm -hmm. was no way to go beyond that. Because if if you'd gotten to the point in your life where your father had passed away and you had maybe a sibling, even sibling testing wasn't really fantastic. Like it, it wasn't always definitive. And so but now now, hands down, you can tell absolutely the difference between a full sibling and a half sibling. Very easy to do now. Amazing. I have Well, I have a, <laughs> something that, came, that I just thought of was that there's a lot of like,
0: a little bit of controversy within the, um, sort of like the Facebook support, support groups um, for people that say that there is not a sibling test. But you just talked about siblings as an example.
1: Um, do you know what people mean by that? Well, I think the biggest educational hurdle that there is for people who are looking, especially for a biological parent Mm -hmm. is how to interpret what I see on my match page, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because in your DNA match page, the company is never telling you sibling.
0: The company is never
1: telling you half sibling, right? There has to be, and that's the thing. DNA can't actually definitively tell you that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, There has to be at least one more piece of information. So, for example, you and your mom share half of your DNA. That's that's the nature. Right. But you and your brother also share half of your DNA. So if there's two people on your match page, one's your mom and one's your brother, you really can't tell the difference I mean there are genetic ways you can tell the difference but in general you can't tell the difference just looking at the data just looking at the data right, you okay. have to know something else so like for example looking at your brother maybe if he listed like at 23 and me or my heritage sometimes it lists their age and mm-hmm, so you know mm-hmm. if he he's 25 oh well then he can't be your dad right <laughs> you know? right right so, okay. so that that one extra piece of information gives you what you need to help you define that relationship
0: Okay. Okay. So the so it's about that, that I want to say like extraneous information, but that's not really, it's not extraneous. So it's, it's, it's,
1: the, it's the genealogy information. Yeah. Outside. Right. Like the
0: supplemental. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Okay.
0: Cool. So it's, so just the DNA itself only gives you, like it gives you the variables, but yeah, you need. Like a hint,
1: yeah. Right? You it's need... like a hint. And that's why right. it's, it's dangerous and it's really emotional and it can be um, I mean, it's an emotional journey anyway, if you're an adoptee and you're searching for your family and you've taken a DNA test and you're actively looking, you're mm-hmm. looking at a DNA match page and most people for the first time are seeing the names of biological relatives. And mm-hmm. that alone can be really powerful. But then you dig a little deeper and you think, okay, well, how am I related to this person? Who are they? Because ultimately you're looking for your parents, that your parents haven't taken a DNA test. And so you're left with this, group of cousins, and you have to wade through this information to get out of them, the names of these two people that you want to know. And it's a really, it's a technical process. And there's, you know, there's a way to do it. In fact, I just barely wrote a book about how to do this process. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's really easy to take a wrong turn. Right? Because the DNA is not that good at telling you very exact things.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So I can tell you that you're all in the same i want to say same family like same ballpark yeah. same area mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. but but relationship specific relationships do exactly. you feel like that is um is that the majority of your clients that you get is adoptees looking for
1: um answers about their history you know it's not the majority there are a fair number but i deal with so many just regular people who want to find their great grandfather and want to find their two times great grandmother and they're their distant ancestors. They know all their close people. They're looking for their distant people. And this mm-hmm. technology is very powerful in helping them determine that as well.
0: What do you think it is about, um, about, about that information that people want? Like, do you, What is it about our histories that you think people are so um, attracted to or interested in?
1: That's such a good question. I think there's something inherent in us that drives us to know who our people are. Mm -hmm. whether that's just the simple things of wanting to understand maybe where I came from in a very broad and general sense, uh, to I need to know the names of all of these people. And there's this Mm -hmm. wide range of people who have this curiosity, but I doubt you can come across anyone who isn't interested. Everybody (laughs) wants to know who they are. Everybody. Everybody.
0: I mean, and and I know the information is becoming easier and easier to get. So that has sort of like um, inspired like a new, some new generations of interest in this. But um, yeah, it's certainly like a, like growing
1: movement. Absolutely. I mean, if you look, if you just went to YouTube and you asked and you do a search term like DNA reveal or something like that, (laughs) there are so many videos of people Mm -hmm. viewing themselves, looking at their DNA ethnicity results for the first time. And they are genuinely nervous Mm -hmm. about what it's going to reveal. They are thrilled and sometimes disappointed about what they see. (laughs) And again, it's this drive. And these are young people, you know, these are people in their twenties that are, they're hungry for Mm -hmm. this connection. And I think, especially as our culture moves away from traditions and families and we're just so much more widespread than we ever used to be you know it Mm -hmm. used to be everybody lived in the same place and you saw your family all the time and blah 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 but now it's just not like that we're just such a mobile society that so many people don't live near family and so they I think they long for that connection to some place something that that they can kind of grab onto and say this is me.
0: What I heard the most was the connection. People are just hungry for connection. I think that's that's what resonates the most with me. So, what do you wish people knew about DNA testing um, before they got into it? If if there, if anything, I, I just feel like I mean I'm I specifically navigate um, the world of like NPEs the most, but um, but I'm curious if you feel like there's information that you when people come to you you wish you wish everybody could know or or there's like a misunderstanding about DNA testing before they begin.
1: Well, I think especially for your audience, people who are looking for biological family that they know is out there, um, but for anybody, understand you're going to find them. And and Mm. I think, you know, at the outset, (laughs) maybe it's like this little curiosity, like, yeah, I'm adopted. That'd be kind of fun, you know, figure Mm -hmm. out who my people are. Sure, I'll try it. That kind of attitude going in mm-hmm. is, is that cavalier, nah, let's try it. Yeah, I feel like we need to be really serious. And I tell people all the time, so I lecture all over the world really. And one of the first things I say is before you take a test, understand, it's going to reveal your relationships. You need to know, this is gonna find people and it will do it in a way that's unequivocally, understandably scary Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're being faced with relationships and people that it changes the way you view yourself. It changes the way that you view your parents and it it understandably just disrupts things and disrupts. That's a great word. Yes, And if people just understood going in that this is, this works, this technology, it works. Right. No, I think you're right. I
0: think it's presented as a, um, as something that's, that's fun. And um and fun and for information and then and and for a lot of people it is. <laughs> for a lot right. of people it's, it's fun. It. Um, but for all the people that end up with surprise results, um yeah, disrupt is a is a really great word that um I feel like should be more present in the in the discussion this can really disrupt your understanding
1: of things. Exactly. Um, and in and one one way or that, another. Yeah. Yes. And along with that, just understanding that disruption may happen in that Mm -hmm. when it does or if it does that you then have this chance to to redefine Mm -hmm. your family right and take the disruption as an opportunity yes it's Mm -hmm. not a a, I have to now cut off this branch it's always about grafting in it's never about cutting out Hmm. and Interesting. And I feel like that's like a message that needs to get out there more because so many people just, again, they find their dad isn't their dad and they feel like I have to cut this limb off. Family is more than DNA, right? Right. right. So it's about just grafting in this new information and not cutting out anything. Right. Um, I think the same is true. I mean, I have a lot of clients that aren't dealing with a, a misattributed parent, mm-hmm. but it's a grandparent or great grandparent. These mm-hmm. people are long passed away and and maybe you have very warm and wonderful memories of them when you were 10 you know and they were 80 <laughs> and you think right right you know i think one of the things i love most about this idea that you can find out information that you didn't know before is that it allows us to be more generous in the way that we're thinking about ourselves and mm. our own mistakes and and you you appreciate that your 80-year-old grandmother was once 19. Mhm. Oh, absolutely. And, you know? And, absolutely. I think about that all the time. Mhm. Yes, and we need to really understand that and appreciate that because of the choices and things that happened to her at 19, she became the woman we loved and respected at 80. Yep. You know, and and we're all that way and how if you're in a place right now where you're making mistakes or you have made mistakes that you don't feel like you can overcome, look to your ancestors. That's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest reasons that people do this, right? They did it. They overcame it. They became someone. They had a family eventually. They Mm -hmm. obviously raised your mother or father, whoever, you know, it's, it's just so comforting to think, man, she wasn't perfect and I'm not perfect, but her life turned out great. And I loved her. That means that I can still be somebody that people could love, you know?
0: Oh my God. I could just end the interview right here. (laughs) I am really fascinated. I think, I think, because I think also within like the community that I talk with so much is where people are coming at it from such a place of like shock. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's often like couched with disappointment and, um, and you know, sometimes devastation for people to to um, discover that their parents weren't truthful for one reason or another or in one way or another to them and
1: that's like the biggest emotion that i feel from people mm-hmm. when i when i do cuz i have so we do uh, we call it mentoring where i sit down with mm-hmm. someone we open up your test results we're on zoom and we're you know going through everything and i've been in the position many times where i'm the one breaking this information to them. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask about that. (laughs) Yes. Right. And and it's, and it's hard because I can see it immediately, Mm -hmm. but I have to, I have to be sure number one. So I have to ask a series of questions to make sure I understand what I'm looking at as -hmm. far as the people they know their relationship to versus the people that they don't. And then I have to be in a position to say, okay, this is what I see. And this is how we can test it basically. And the number one emotion that people feel as I, as, is their right absolutely is betrayal. Mm-hmm. Because you do feel like you've been lied to. And that's, that's what hurts people the most. It's not that this happened, but that it, they were lied to essentially. And that's, that's the hardest thing to get over mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: That resonates with me for sure. That there's, um, yeah, it's, and, and that there seems to be some sort of like commu, commu- um, what am I, there's a confusion between generations about what is the most important issue at hand, whether it's the the lying or the event itself, or um, yeah, That's yeah. It's point. just it's a huge. And whether it's generational or not, it just seems like it's just fraught with like miscommunication and misunderstanding, and an individual perception or under you know
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah, so subjective my- experiences we actually, so my mom was adopted and we found her biological family using DNA testing. And, you know, she always knew she was adopted. It wasn't a surprise or anything. Her parents always told her she always knew. And um, when we finally decided to to try it, to pursue this avenue, and we were able to find her mother's family, um, they they were amazing and they handled it really, really well. But, and I learned a lot from them and the way that they thought about my mom's mom who has passed away Mm -hmm. um, in that their number one emotion about it really was not anger or betrayal or anything, but was empathy. And, and that kind of empathy is what I I really want people to, to get and understand that these, most of the time women are making such hard choices Mm -hmm. and they're doing the best they can with the information that they have at the time. And And it's such an important feeling to just understand where they're coming from and give them the benefit of the doubt, which I feel like our family did for my mom's mom. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I wish there was more, um, more, more, more just general, like understanding of what I think it comes down to is like what women, what women are up against (laughs) against when it comes to these decisions. It's really hard. Yes. Um, do you how, do you have a prediction, or do do you, do you and your colleagues um toy toy with a, with a number about how many people are actually n p npes or or how 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 like common or prevalent this is?
1: Well, the official like scientifically published number is like two percent mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I think we we feel like it's higher in our industry just because. Yeah it's disproportionate because that's who's testing, you know, there's, Got it. you know, a lot more. It. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they want to know mm-hmm. and they're taking a test. So yeah, the, of the number of people who tested the number is much higher, but Got overall it. in the population, it's probably around 2%.
0: You think so? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a, that's a lower number than I've heard, but, but you're, mm-hmm. you're, um, explanation makes yeah. total sense. I mean, I think, I think all the time about how skewed the data is um, Oh yeah, that we're, Definitely. cause it's just a, a very specific um, pocket like of the world that's doing this right now. So. Right.
1: Well, and um, that's why I tell people who are testing who aren't or don't think they're looking for a misattributed parent or grandparent or great grandparent. I basically have told everybody, if it hasn't happened to you yet that an adoptee has showed up on your match list, it will. Mm-hmm. Because that's just the nature of, of family networks. I mean, you go back in your pedigree far enough. I mean, all of us have thousands of fourth cousins. Thousands. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah. the chances that one of them is adopted is pretty darn good, right? right? And the chances that they're gonna take a test to find out is also really good. And right. so I tell people all the time, like, even if in your own nuclear family or extended family you don't have any of these events guaranteed given enough time, you're going to find a second or third or fourth cousin that's contacting you for information because they're looking for their family.
0: I actually have had that happen. I had a cousin contact me Um, and I, I couldn't be helpful at all because she was, (laughs) because I am so fresh to my NPE status that I was like, I recognize that we are related and I can help you with nothing. (laughs) Like here's the information that I, I gave her the information I had. Um, but she and I are still in touch. So, so hopefully we'll, something will come of it, but um, yeah. So what is the hardest part of your job?
1: Um, You know, I think the hardest part of my job can be summed up in an experience I had maybe six months ago. So I go to a lot of conferences, like genealogy conferences, where Mm -hmm, people come mm -hmm. to take classes and learn how to find the right record to find their ancestor or whatever. And so of course I lecture on how to use DNA to do this. And I also have a booth and I, um, so people come by my booth and ask questions and I sell my book and everything. And so it was in between classes or I'm sorry, it was during class. So everybody's in class. So the exhibit hall mm-hmm. is usually really empty and we all kind of sit around and chat. And there was this lady kind of wandering through the exhibit hall and she sees my sign at my booth, which says, I have DNA. Now what? sign says. And she looks up at the sign and she just like big sigh. Oh, Oh. Mm -hmm. I just can't do this. And I said, what do you mean? What's going on? She goes, well, I was just sitting in a DNA class and I can't understand anything they're saying. And it's just way above my head. I'll never understand this, but I really want to find my family. And I just, and that's, what just breaks my heart because this mm-hmm. technology is so powerful, but there's so many people who are unwilling to use it or try it because it's science. And they're like, I don't do science, you know? And I feel like you can, you can learn anything, especially if you're determined enough and you just need the right teacher. You just need somebody who can tell you only the things you need to know and right. not everything else. Right. And, and it's really it's a focused effort. And, and I feel like so many people could get so much farther along in figuring out who they are or who their family is with this technology. There's just this education gap. There's this mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. A, as soon as they think it's science, they're like, oh, that's not me. I, I can't do that. I've never been mm-hmm. good at science, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: So that's mm-hmm. hard. It's
1: hard for me to think that there's people out there who are really trying to mm-hmm. do this. And they're struggling because they don't know where to turn to ask for help.
0: Yeah. I think that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, that's really interesting because it's making me wonder because I, I think about myself, I, I can't help it, but think about myself during this conversation, um, which I did not anticipate, Diane, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, because I, I have my DNA and my 23andMe res- results and I just look at them and I don't feel overwhelmed. Um, I just am not, I don't feel much of anything. And I wonder if it's because I just don't really understand it. So I don't know where to go. And and, and so the default feeling is just a sort of, um, I don't it's not apathy. It's not that.
1: It's I just disinterest because yeah. it's, I'm
0: like looking and it, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like if I looked at a piece of paper with another language on it, like I can't read it. So
1: yeah, I wonder if that's what's going on for me.
0: Hmm. Okay. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Do <laughs> Do I- it- Honestly, if you are, you're my target audience, right, you've taken a DNA test, you aren't necessarily interested in genealogy, like doing paper research, but you've done the test because you had at least that much interest to to try it. And now you have no idea what to do next. Right? Like, I've got this. Okay, that's cool. And was that it? Like, was that my $100 worth? And so that was good enough? I'm done. Or is there something more I can get out of this? And the thing is, like, again, with just a few little tips. So, like, we have a YouTube channel. And so on the YouTube mm-hmm. channel, there's, like, just two videos about 23andMe. And, like, they're just meant to show you, hey, did you try this? Did you know that this was here? So that you can be like, oh, I didn't know how that worked or that's, that's interesting. I'll try pushing that button. You know, there's just right, so right. much information on these websites that you're just like, never <laughs> mind. <laughs> right,
0: right, right, right. Absolutely. Anything else, um, that you want me to know about what you do and how you do it?
1: Um, I guess mostly for all the people that you talk to in and it's so great to have these conversations to let people share their stories, so that people don't feel alone. They don't feel like they're the only ones going through things like this. Um, but yeah, just to keep spreading this message of of inclusion and that mm-hmm. you that it's really about mercy and it's mm-hmm. about accepting your ancestor, whoever they are, for the choices they made, and in turn then being able to accept yourself because we all make choices that maybe we wish we hadn't made. And it's refreshing to think you can come out on the other side no matter how serious. You can always come out on the other side as long as you are committed to a better outcome, right? You just pick up and move on.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. For people that want to learn more about you or look into your services or find those YouTube videos, what should they be looking up?
1: So, our website is yourdnaguide.com. And so, you can also, that's also on YouTube as well for those videos. Um, but yeah, on our website, we've got a lot of resources. We have a really great blog. And so, you can just search in the blog for any topic that you might be curious about there. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter. That's just once a month and that will kind of bring you any news that's going on in the industry as well as, you know, some articles or other little inspiring tidbits that we like to share. Uh, so it's been, it's been a really fun journey to just, I love the the best moments in my job are the light bulb moments where I feel like (laughs) says, I get it. I understand (laughs) now. And I, I live for that. So the more moments like that we can create the better.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Extra super thank you to Diane of yourdnaguide.com. Thank you for uh, talking with me and for helping the DNA community with your knowledge and also trying to spread the message of inclusivity and acceptance and I think forgiveness. I was really moved when you talked about using Ancestry as a way to understand our identities and mistakes and choices as a way to forgive ourselves and those around us I really really loved that I didn't mention um that I'm recording right now in a hotel in West Virginia swinging through this wild and free state for a weekend to see my daughter Uh, and so quick in fact that I can't see my friend Dick from season one this time around I'm sorry Dick and I hope to see you next time And I also forgot uh, to mention in the intro that it's Father's Day here today in the USA. Um, What a weird, weird day for a lot of us in the DNA testing NPE community. Am I right? Uh, It is so uh, weird. (laughs) So is it weird for you because you find out your dad isn't your dad? Or you have a new dad? Or your dad or your biological dad has died and can't answer the questions for you? Or maybe you never had a dad and you're searching for him and you're frustrated. Like, how many different combinations of scenarios can I come up with? Um, a whole lot, probably. For me, um, I've been feeling kind of confused and angry about things lately. Um, how are you feeling? What do you do with your thoughts and feelings? Any ideas? Let me know. Uh, go to my Instagram account at Everything's Relative Podcast or email me some tips or your own stories or questions or complaints at Eve at Everything's Relative I recently had a listener reach out because he's feeling frustrated on the behalf of birth certificate fathers and expressed that he doesn't feel like I give them enough credit on this podcast. And uh, man, I would love to interview some bio dads who are part, no, birth certificate dads. <laughs> I would love to interview some bio dads too, but uh, I would love to interview some birth certificate dads who are a part of these shocking DNA discoveries. And I do not mean to suggest that they aren't an integral part of these stories. Um, so if anyone else like that listener feels like I'm not giving enough credit to those guys, I am sorry. That was not ever my intention. Can someone uh, bring me some of these men to talk to, please? Who will be honest with me about their whole experience uh, of being a, a birth certificate dad? Whether you knew or whether you didn't know, I just, um, you, you are being underrepresented on this podcast. I'd really love that. Uh, so anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing my podcast with your friends. Thanks for donating as little as $1 on my Patreon account so I can keep doing this. I'll be back in two weeks with episode six. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. In the meantime, keep fighting the good fight. Bye, everybody. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Kaylin Egan and Eve Sturgis. Eve Sturgis is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California, but the conversations she has on the podcast are not therapy sessions. Logo design by Ivy McNally and music used with permission by Goodbye the Band.